This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another Tennis Unfiltered Podlet. You may remember these from such tournaments as, sound like Ken Brockman now, the US Open, Wimbledon, the French Open, Roland Garros. Uh, yes, I'm back. I haven't got Calvin or George because it's a weird time of day. And, well, um, since we've all become obsessed with reminding people what time of day it is in Melbourne, it's currently 1.45, which I'm considering early because... Last night I got home at half three, and the night before I got home at seven. So this feels like something of a bonus, because for once, Andy Murray didn't go to five sets. It of course wasn't the result that he wanted, it wasn't necessarily the result lots of other people wanted. It certainly wasn't the result that they wanted on the Margaret Court Arena, but that was what they got. Andy Murray beaten 6-1, 6-7, 6-3, 6-4, sets, it was three hours and 29 minutes. It was a pretty remarkable match in some ways because I have to say I I went and watched him hit uh, on what was Friday and I mean he did 15 minutes hitting on Margaret Court, he barely moved, Uh, the hitter would occasionally stray a little and Murray would kind of make that noise as I think I mentioned the other day and then he would you know try and hit it. But that that was pretty indicative, and and the first set, I mean, he lost the first set in twenty nine minutes, six one, and like it it was like watching me try and walk around the office the day after Sunday League or something. Like it was, it wasn't embarrassing because it's like we all knew what he'd been through, but we were all looking at each other in the press box. And, you know, I, I was looking at Murray's worst ever Grand Slam defeat, which was well, he's got two actually. They're joint. He only won six games against Stan. Vavrinka in French Open 2020 and also against Rafa Nadal in the semi-final of the French Open in 2014. And we all thought that was in danger because he just looked completely wrecked. He could barely serve. He couldn't really run. Um, it was it was horrible, really. Someone said to him afterwards, you know, do you think if you'd had a bit more sleep and a bit more rest, it would have been better? And, and fair play to him, he said it's impossible to say. To be honest, I don't think you know, seven or eight hours would have made that much difference. He's been through a lot. 
He's got a 35-year-old body. As everyone keeps saying, he's got a metal hip. And that's blooming hard. Um, he he also said afterwards that his hip... Well, I mean, he never says his hip hurts. I don't think it does. Uh, he also didn't say that his legs felt that bad. He said he had seven or eight blisters that he needed to get drained and treated. That's why he, he only slept for three hours after his match against Kokonakis. And then he was spotted again at Melbourne Park while we were all... I was certainly still asleep by the time he got there. And he came in and had them treated by the podiatrist and then went back to bed, I think, actually. went. Well, I know he did. He went back to his hotel and then uh, slept a bit more. But, you know, not ideal. And, yeah, he looked it massively. And when he was 6-1-4-2 down, yeah, I think we all thought, here we go. And then he just sort of started warming up. It took him an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes, but he started getting the crowd into it. He was doing that thing where he picks bits of the crowd, crowd to really engage with and it gets him going. The backhand started firing. He he started just trying to hit his forehand as hard as he could and that helped at times. Betis Dragut got a bit tight and chucked away the break. He got broken to love. Um, yeah, it was all sort of going his way and all of a sudden he was ahead in the set and then he gets a tie break and then you know, all of a sudden he's got the set and it's one set all and you know, we're all sitting there going, Here we go again. It's gonna be another late night on, on Margaret Court and Andy Murray rolling back the years. Um I mean he the the set point that he saved in the tie break he saved two set points in the tiebreaker. But the one he saved the first one the 22 shot rally and you know ordinarily you'd say yeah Murray's got a good chance of winning those but you felt that on a day like today the long rallies weren't going to go his way because of you know his ailment um and then when he got a set point he missed his first serve as an audible groan from the crowd rather than from him um and then he hit a 73 mile an hour second serve it didn't matter because he out rallied but historically won the point and won the set and just kind of stood there and went yeah yeah this is it and I think the third set the first half of the third set was pretty pretty insane um there were at least two points when the ball went over both players head on more than one occasion (laughs) my match notes just say like one all 30 love insanity and then two two juice more insanity uh and they they were they're both those points by the way if, if you can find them um i'll try and stick them on social media but Go back and watch them because they're completely insane. But it w- in the end, Batista took the set, and it was kind of his set. I think he only made four unforced errors, and and that you know that's his game, isn't it? He is a real wall, and yeah, he he did his best to outgrind Murray, and he knew that probably if he stuck around long enough, this guy wasn't going to have it in his legs, and I think that was probably true in the end. Um, he just, you know, he would make unforced errors because he wasn't bending enough. And he said afterwards his lower back was in pieces. And that he, I mean, the, the serve speeds, he was down. His, I think his average first serve speed was down something like 20 miles an hour on what he did in the first match of the tournament against Berrettini. So he was 124 miles an hour average against Berrettini. By the time he got to a goot, it was 106, and similarly, second serve went from 102 to 87. So, pretty, pretty, 
pretty clear that he wasn't, you know, able to to give all of himself in terms of serving. He, he even said, actually, you know, the first couple of points of the game was were worse, but once I'd been up from the chair for a couple of a couple of days, a couple of minutes, I should say, then it got better. Um, I mean, what honestly, the thing that really gave it away to me, and probably, would, in fact, I know because I was talking to people on Twitter, wasn't reflected on TV is that he was so tired and it was the bits between points that were giving that away he was so, i've never seen him move so slowly between points he was very fortunate not to get a time violation on return of serve which you can get because Batista Rigut was repeatedly having to wait for him um and as you know the game should be played at the server speed uh he was so slow getting off the chair like Every time he missed a first serve, his whole body would just sort of sink, and then he'd have to regather himself. To it's probably just in his head going, "God, I've got to hit another serve now," and you know my body's really hurting. And he couldn't, he couldn't pit, hit the kick serve because of his back, so that wasn't helping either. Um, and yeah, then you know it gets to match point, and and he's done. And there was a very cold handshake between him and Batista and Goot. Um, he, he only did one answer in English, Batista Agut, in the press conference, but he included in it, um, Murray knows well how to play a Grand Slam match, he understands the game very well, he knows how to play with a crowd, how to play with the nerves of the opponent. And I, th- I think what he's referring to there, well, quite apart from anything else, is when Batista Agut was serving for the match, Murray decided that two points away from you know the end of the match was the time to start complaining about um, when Nico was hitting the starting the serve clock and that he should have been giving him time violations, you know, it was it was shithousery, quite frankly. It was Jensen Brooksby kind of stuff, but uh, it didn't work. Basistrugu served it out, and, you know, fair play to him. Difficult to be that guy. Uh, we always say it's difficult to play an injured player because it can be tricky to put them away, and it sort of messes with your mind. It's difficult to be the underdog. It's difficult to have a rowdy crowd. And he dealt with all that really well, so, you know, credit to him and... And he's got a real opportunity now to to go through the draw because the bottom half is a complete mess, uh, apart from Novak Djokovic, really. So, I mean, we've got Batista Agut versus Tommy Paul in the fourth round, and the winner of that plays either Ben Shelton or JJ Wolf. You know, Batista Agut will look at that and say this is the best chance to get to a second semi-final because remember he made the Wimbledon semis back in 2019, incredibly, that he's ever going to get. Um, he's not going to get a better opportunity than this. So, uh, we'll see how that. That evolves. Uh, the other big match of the day was, well, I suppose, the other big match. I mean, I've barely talked about the women's tournament at all this week, but all the stories have been in the men's, and you know that's that's just the way it's been. Um, the Novak Djokovic Grigor Dimitrov match promised much. Um, Calvin, as you will have all heard, is pretty pretty clear that he thinks Novak Djokovic's injury is a total nonsense. Um, Many Novak fans will tell you that he's got a really bad injury and is doing brilliantly to play through it. I think the truth, as always, probably lies somewhere in between. Um, He, again, was quite heavily strapped on his left thigh today. And a number he had a medical timeout at the end of the first set. He basically didn't celebrate winning a very tight first set. Um, It was 9-7 in the breaker. And I think it was something like an 80-minute first set. I haven't got the number exactly in front of me in fact yes it was a 79 minute first set and he barely celebrated and then called for the trainer so that that looked like he was in real trouble but I mean he he then only loses seven more games and wins in straight sets and it's like well 
you know, how how injured can you be if you're doing that and still throwing yourself around? You know, with Murray, it, he, there were things that he was unable to do because of his physical state. Um, there were shots he was unable to hit. And with Djokovic, there doesn't seem to be really any limitations. Like, when he's in open stance, moving into the backhand side seems to be a little bit of a struggle. But I've still seen him do the big slide and everything. And, yeah, just it's very, very strange. You know, maybe he could be hamming it up. I mean, there were some comedy falls, you know, which were a bit... I mean, look, we I've just said how difficult it is to play an injured player. And Djokovic is always looking for an edge. And if that edge is pretending to be injured all the time so that your opponent gets confused and it messes with their head, then maybe that's what the greatest player of all time has decided is his latest edge. Not that he really needs it, but um, so so be it. I, people might come at me for that, but that's what I think. And I've watched him quite a lot this week, albeit not a lot today because I was on court for Murray and had Djokovic on the laptop in front of me. Um, so, I mean, who knows in the end, it's, it's, you, only he and I suppose a select few around him will know and you'll never necessarily get, get the truth. Um, he said he kind of went up and down feeling physically, uh, with his leg. He said, someone asked him afterwards, what's your experience with the injury and how close were you to potentially pulling out before the tournament? Um, he said, well, I didn't want to pull out because I wanted to see how it's going to feel on the court. So the first match was good. The second match, I struggled a lot. There were a couple of moments today when it was really bad. But I managed to survive and kind of pull through. I'll take it match by match. I don't know what awaits, but I do hope and have faith for the best. Um, he's going to play Alex de Menor in the next round, who will obviously have a home crowd behind him. And the guy runs forever. Like, you know, you're not going to get Grigor Dimitrov firing forehands wide and long and... Well, backhands, really. <laughs> Someone made me laugh by messaging me saying Dimitrov's backhand is borderline unprofessional. Um, it's just just a funny term of phrase that made me giggle on Instagram. And James Gray Sport on Instagram, by the way. And, and the podcast is on Instagram, too, so you should follow that as well. It's Tennis Unfiltered Pod on Instagram, so go find that and give us a follow. Be very appreciative. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how Djokovic goes against Dimitrov. I should talk about the women's draw because it is just as worthy of being talked about. Um, albeit, it, again, it has also completely fallen apart. It feels like one of the most chaotic Grand Slams in a while. Um, my pick for an upset in the newsletter, the I newsletter called Inside Tennis, which you can sign up for um, if you go to inews.co.uk slash my dash account and then scroll to the bottom. You can sign up for the Inside Tennis newsletter that I write every day during the slams and then weekly outside the slams, mostly. I picked Magdalenette as my upset over number 19 seed Ekaterina Alexandrova. She indeed beat her in straight sets. Um, A little bit of a struggle getting over the line. I was sat about 12 feet away from the Polish radio booth in the media centre and he was getting very excited because she had a match point at 3-5 and... uh, saved it and the guy just stayed live because he was just doing like hits he wasn't live commentating and the station clearly went well she's going to serve for the match now so we'll just stay with you and he was getting louder and more excited as time went on and when she finally got over the line we all cheered because it would mean he would stop talking (laughs) and we were trying to you know write Murray copy Uh, but she's through she's going to play Caroline Garcia who had a bit of a scare today against Laura Ziegmund 
I have said before how much I like Caroline Garcia. She's had quite a tricky little draw. Um, she had Leila Fernandez in the second round, who had beaten Elise Corne with with ease. So um, that wasn't easy, and she beat her in straight sets. Laura Ziegmund is can be a tricky opponent, and um, she dismissed her eventually. She lost the first set six one, and I think it was a breakdown in the second as well. But um, came through quite nicely, and I think quietly is probably someone to keep an eye on. For this title, I mean, look, Iga Shrontek is the runaway favourite, but the bottom half, whoever comes out of the bottom half, I mean, who knows. But Garcia's going to play Lynette and then either um, Zhang Shui or Karolina Pliskova, and I don't think she will be afraid of either of those players. And then you're going to get one of Bencic, Vekic, Furitova or Savalenka. And again, I mean, Caroline Garcia, she fears nothing as far as I can tell anyway, but in particular, I think she... She shouldn't really be afraid of any of those players. Um, great news to have Linda Fruvitova through. Sound the Czech teenager Klaxon. Uh, she is 17 years old. She, I'm reliably informed she's not even the best Fruvitova because her younger sister, Brenda, who is 15, believe it or not, um, is, they say, better. She actually went out in the first round, but she did get through qualifying to get there before losing to Sasnovich, I think. So... Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, Czech women's tennis, I don't know what they're doing right, but um, they just keep producing superstars. They've got Linda Noskova as well, remember, who Emma Raducanu played at the French Open. She's very talented. There's also um, a girl, I can't remember her name, but I've seen a couple of people talking about her and very good people to talk about tennis, talking about her in high regards. I think it's Belka or Selka. Um, I apologise for not knowing that name properly, but I mean... Honestly, there, there will be yet more coming off the block in the next couple of years. Absolutely no doubt about that, because these Fruvitovas are very talented. Sarah Bedgelick is her name. There you go. And uh, she did qualify, actually, and lost in the first round. So uh, She's currently the Czech number 12, I think. Um, but uh, that will change, I'm sure. Uh, so, anyway, to come back to it, Linda Fruvitova's now got Donna Vekic in the fourth round. And, you know, fancy that unseeded player in the fourth round you've got to take that and say yeah we'll go um but the pick of that bottom half is probably Savalenka Bencic which is on Monday uh Sunday night in the UK so maybe talk about that separately in terms of the matches coming up on Sunday um Ostapenko Goff is a belter that's unfortunately gonna be overnight in the UK if you're listening I think it's something like 2 30 a.m um GMT which probably isn't ideal but will be a great match I hope because two big hitters and well you know Ostapenko is so watchable because she's just mental um, and similarly albeit maybe not so mental but certainly so fired uh, Shontek versus Rubakina which again is, is going to be a, a mid, mid-afternoon mid one here so uh, overnight in the UK but um, you know watch it back why not uh, I think it'll be a really good match um, and I, th- I think Shontek will come through it but you know, it'll be the first time she's been tested. She's she's barely dropped a game, never mind a set, um, on route to the fourth round. And um, I think Rebecca. I thought conditions might not suit her here. Um, you know, because it just tend to be a bit slower. But the courts themselves aren't slow. Um, the balls just aren't really taking spins. It's not really reacting to the court. But I think Rebecca can hit through it, and and it'll be fine. Um, so hopefully that's a really good contest because I think it's a really intriguing matchup. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that one one pans out. Um, the other women's matches tomorrow are Pagula versus Krajikova, which again I think Pagula might well win this title. 
uh, and she's been abs- basically ball perfect so far. Um, but Krajika is a bit of a, a challenger, and she's clearly fit again. I think she sorted her head out. You know, remember her leaving in tears from the French Open last year, which is very sad. Um, but yeah, she seems to be back on track. Uh, and the other one is Azarenka versus Zhu. I, I don't know a lot about Lin Zhu. I've seen her play a bit. I saw her beat Teichman, um, or at least I saw a set of it. But I don't really know a lot about her. So um, another Chinese player doing really well. That there is a bit of a revolution going on in Chinese tennis at the moment. So. Um, if she beats Victoria Azarenka, I will make a concerted effort to find out a bit more about her. Meanwhile, in the men's draw, um, the best match tomorrow, I think, pretty clearly is Sitspas versus Sinner. That's got Rod Laver, 7pm, so it'll be 8am over in the UK on Sunday morning. Good for you to go and watch. Um, there's also Hercatch versus Korda, Nishoka, Hatchinov, and Orjolesim versus Lechecka. Lechecka, I can't really remember how to say his name. He's 21. He's Czech. He beat Cam Norrie in five sets. And I think he might beat Felix Aliasim, who's yet to win a match in straight sets. So you heard it here for us. That's my pick in the newsletter today, um, if you haven't already read it, because it's only just gone out. Um, yeah, there's loads going on. Uh, I will try and do uh, a few more mini pods over the next week as things get a little bit more quiet, because there are fewer matches. Um, I'll get George on a bit as well, I'll get Calvin on, maybe get some some mystery guests from the Australian Open as well. Uh, Most importantly, just come back and hear whoever is here. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.